everybody. Welcome to a Democrat and Republican walk into a bar. I am your Democratic host, Dr. Cindy Banier. And I am, of course, your Republican host, Sean Hartman. So we are coming to you live like we do every Sunday from Ollie's Records and Pubs here, or Records and Beer Pub. It's Ollie's Pub in Cape Coral. You know it is uh, the coolest place in town. Um, and we are so happy to have them as our sponsor and host here. Of course, of course. Yeah, always good to be here at Ollie's. It's a wonderful place. So one thing that I am going to do that I'm going to share in our chat, because we know that our friends here at Ollie's, like many in the service and hospitality industry um, in Florida, when it comes to season, so after our big, you know, season is ended, our the tourists and the uh, retirees and folks go back home, it's, it's a huge hit for folks here across Southwest Florida. And we're adding in people did not have as big of a year as they often do because of Hurricane Ian and um, other things that have happened in our area. So like many businesses around here, Ollie's has um, had uh, some troubles. And so they are asking on their friends to come out and support them. And if you are interested in helping to keep a small business alive, I am getting right here I am getting the GoFundMe link because that's what they are asking uh, for their friends out in the community to help support. So if you got five, 10 bucks to help, that will help them keep the doors open, keep people employed and help one of our sponsors and somebody who's helped us a ton as well. Absolutely. So they're looking to raise about $10,000 uh, just to ensure that they're kept alive over the summer. So just so people understand the economy down here. Uh, we are very much a tourist economy, especially here in Cape Coral. We have the snowbirds that come in for vacation and they've left during the summer because now it's warm back up to where they live. So during the summer and, and early fall days, it, we really don't get as much business as a normally during season. And so that's affecting places like Ollie's and a lot of small businesses down here. So if you're a, you know, a resident down here locally, definitely come by, swing by. Um, they have great uh, sodas um, and beer and good drinks. And, of course, I'm going to be getting a grilled cheese later. It's a classic sandwich. They do have some sandwich options available. Um, so, and they're they're at $7,000 already um, to their $10,000 right. goal. Yeah, so shout out to the community members who stepped up for that. Within, within 24 hours, they had enough to ensure that they paid their rent. And then they had people come into the business, so boosting their business. And, they do a lot of concerts, a lot of venues, a lot of great, great things for the community to keep everyone engaged and involved. And it's just a, a really stellar place that we would hate to lose down here. So definitely, if you can help, we'd really appreciate it. And come visit them on the days that you are looking for a good time here in Cape Coral. They have uh, music shows that happen and just a good time for folks as well. So uh, the link is in the uh, social media across our various social media help out if you can so what else is going on oh quite a bit always there's always quite a bit uh well should we do local national what are you thinking yeah let's start local <laughs> let's start local so i had actually so about a few months ago i had actually stopped doing my cape coral watchdog uh news news reports um i decided to start it up again because of a lot of controversy like we were talking last week yep. about the yacht club and the citizens Ooh, advisory boy, the boards club. And I, um, you know, just realized that I better just, I better just start back up again. They need me. I felt like it was necessary and I chose quite an interesting time to do so. 
the uh, Cape Coral Yacht Club has formally been voted to mm. be demolished. Yep. Which is uh, ending that saga. Unfortunate. Well, oh, there is um, apparently if they do the historical preservation, um, that will still have to be approved by the city council, which they can in theory approve, which doesn't seem like they will because yeah. they're also gung ho about destroying this structure. Which, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know why they're doing it. It doesn't seem like it's a necessary thing. That's why. Sure. All right. So what? Uh, so back to what you were saying about the so, presidential. So yeah. we have Cornell West, She's who the, had announced under the No Labels Party. No, 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 no. no People's sorry. Party. People's so Party. So there's No Labels is an entirely different thing. So No That's Labels. A funded thing. I no Labels. It's a oh, libertarian. Well, anyway, so I uh, know Labels is itself its own thing. I know that Bill Crystal and a bunch of the moderate uh, Democrats and the Never Trump Republicans, mm-hmm. they've uh, met in a smoke-filled room to try to figure out how they're going to make sure that no labels doesn't become an issue to their precious Joe Biden. So um, I don't see I don't see that one going any anywhere anytime soon. I think Joe Manchin's just liking the attention um, and keeping feeling that important. A uh, feeling important. The Ma- Manchin parliamentarian twenty twenty four is going to be the no labels ticket. Let's face it. Okay. So then Cornell West uh, West is now moved from the uh people's party or yes so it was the people's party so they're the they're trying to be this new progressive party um but they're not uh being very successful they were actually because i looked into this after um we had our show the people's party the chair of it nick brana i think his name is nick brana um he had issues with sexual harassment that were uh, corroborated by Paula Jean Swearigan, who is a, a Senate Senate candidate who ran in West, West Virginia, Virginia against Joe Manchin. So a very credible source. Um, there were issues of transphobia. It, he has apparently a very autocratic ethic. Um, hmm. So very interesting, the drama behind that. And they only have ballot access in Florida. So if you're, you know, in theory, yeah. wanting to run a national campaign, you want more ballot access. So. Cornell West, I uh, I think, did the right thing under the circumstances in the sense that if he's really serious about running, you might as well go with someone who has at least somewhat of an infrastructure. Obviously, the Green Party, you know, we were talking about that and whether or not there, you know, is it is it really that much of a step up? It's not. It's <laughs> all a waste of time. Um, here's the thing. I know that people want desperately to have something more than the two-party system. Mm-hmm. I get it, okay? Um, but they, right now, what we have is a two-party system, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. In the way that our presidential politics in particular work, right? Yeah. We have an electoral college that limits the ability for us as well to have multi-party candidates because at least at the presidential level yeah at the presidential level right in theory in theory congress and senate that could you well, know, sure and there's a few you know you have now Kristen cinema who's switched to independent bernie sanders had been an independent yeah you know it's possible for people to win other smaller races as a third party candidate However, when it comes to, it's really just the electoral college. It's yeah. winner take all. And so you just cannot, there is no path to victory for a third party candidate. Yeah. There is a path to fuck up everybody else's path. That's yeah. what there is. And that goes back, you know, Woodrow Wilson was probably the first major third party where that happened even before that John Quincy Adams. So we've seen this play out in presidential politics already. 
Um, I I have mixed feelings about the two party system, but the more I think about it, is it is a clearer way to ensure a majority in terms of the way these parties weed out people, and eventually you get two. It's kind of like a what's that March Madness or those bracket competitions. <laughs> that's you know, that's the problem okay. until eventually you have the, the Democratic conference and the Republican and conference, and you have one winner. They take yeah. home the trophy of the White House. Well, and that's true. And it is so it really does go back to how we have set up our system. And mm. it does largely go back to the Electoral College. And yes, these are all relatively anti-democratic principles that were put in place by the founding fathers because they wanted only a handful of people to be able to make decisions. Mm. Ergo us being a republic. Yep. This is this is how it it, it has happened. Mm. But if you look at other countries that have more possibility for per, for pluralistic voting, right, parliamentary systems, that is because they have a totally different way that they elect their leadership. Mm -hmm. They elect the leadership based on the majority of seats in parliament, and it has to be a collaboration government if it's not one clear winner, yeah. right? And we just do not have a system that works like that. And actually, we have a huge separation between our head of state and our Congress, which was by design. Yeah, it was by design because you didn't want any branch of government to have too much power. With the parliamentary system, you have the prime minister and the parliament having both legislative and executive power. It has right. its strengths, it has its uh, problems as well. And to a point on, you know, we, you know, we had a very aristocratic republic very early on, the, the thought behind that was because they wanted people who were educated. And this is why we also have, um, at least very early on, a value in increasing education and universal education across okay. the board, because an educated and informed public is important, stuff we've talked about quite a bit uh, on the show about the importance of education and academic Absolutely. freedom for this reason. Um, and so it's the education that made someone, quote unquote, elite um, in the American- It was land ownership. It was the land ownership <laughs> originally, but it was the the think the- I guess you could say the, the ideology behind it or the thinking behind it. Well, it was still all part of the, the no, landed aristocracy, mm. had access to education and did through much of the 20th century. And so those were the folks who were in control of everything. Mm -hmm. And it only came with, you know, Lincoln and the Emancipation Proclamation. We're coming up on Juneteenth, right? So it's yep. a good time to to give a shout out there. But once we had ended slavery and ended the civil war there was a call for a different type of governance system as well on actually both both kind of sides of the coins of that because many of these institutions that we're talking about the electoral college the senate for that matter mm. the um the non-voting rights the three-fifths <laughs> counting of um african-american enslaved people uh in the census census all came as compromises to bring the southern states into the union at the mm. very beginning of the country and I think the question that a lot of people have in their mind is, are these still serving us as yeah. they had in the past? So it's very interesting. So Thomas Jefferson actually talked about how we did need to constantly change our constitution, that it it wasn't it was meant to be dynamic. It wasn't meant to be fully static. With that being said, I don't think that uh, you you can you have to change it in the proper ways. You can't just, uh, you know, say, oh, it's a living document and therefore it's whatever I want to interpret it now. There are some well taking it and changing it is a is a huge undertaking. Oh, of course, it definitely is, and it, and I think it should have been easier, but that's besides the point. Um, well, it the, was easier. 
back in the day. Yeah, it was easier when you only had like 13, 14 states. That's a good point. <laughs> right. It's a lot now because yeah, there's 50 more people more people more states but more, yeah i mean less I, consensus i think that's interesting because then then that brings us back to you know the supreme court and the constitutional fundamentalists like you know clarence thomas yeah. and right, the yeah. originalists sorry yeah. who want to say oh it has to stay the way that it was yeah no uh what's your position on that what's my position on that i i do consider myself a strict constructionist and if we have to look at what the constitution actually says you um, say constitutionalist or construction strict constructionalist so that that's when you look at the words of the text and you just interpret them in that way originalist has some issues because you know the original thinking of our founding fathers or when certain amendments were processed um is far different than our society today Mm -hmm. um so and even Antonin Scalia who is often called an originalist actually said he was not an originalist and that no one should be an originalist um um so I'm more more of a textualist where you I look at what the constitution says and it's it's I mean it's it's pretty easy to read it's pretty clear language in in general it's just getting into the nitty-gritty of of except for that whole legal. militia well-regulated <laughs> militia <laughs> thing anyway so this is super nerdy talk. Let's yeah. move it back to where we were talking about the so presidency. So anyway, so we have Cornell West. Is Cornell West is going to be a giant nothing burger. Sorry, Cornell. I think you're cool, but like this is a bad, bad decision. But we also had Francis Suarez, who's the mayor of Miami, is also announced uh, for president on the Republican side. So bringing the total to a good baker's dozen, I think uh, it's exhausting. I don't know why all these people are running and just giving Trump more. Know. I think they're really thinking they're auditioning for like a Trump cabinet position or something like People that. People are saying to you, I've heard that. I don't know. I really don't know what to make of Francis Suarez's announcement. I think what he's trying to, to do is he's trying to present himself oh, he's the Hispanic candidate like Marco Rubio. Um, he is very like, he did a lot with tech. <laughs> yeah, uh, conversation. <laughs> So and he's and he did a lot of like modernization for Miami, but yeah, I don't. I think it's just raising the profile. You know, kind of under investigation for taking kickbacks from a developer by the SEC and the FBI. Yeah, and actually, here's some things that people are thinking is that maybe he's actually pulling a Trump, like quite literally, in that the announcement of his investigation by the SEC and the FBI happened the week ahead of his presidential announcement so maybe he's hoping that by running for presidency the president that will give him some cover from any type of indictment oh okay so you like like how trump's the the thing that's about trump running for president in order to stop himself from being indicted which, well i mean it definitely made everybody think about it real hard well i mean i don't think i i mean Donald trump i think was going to run the whole time anyway regardless of whether or not he was going to be indicted um i know well, sure but it sure as hell helps no it apparently does because it, he was polls keep going up because everyone thinks what's going on oh with him is a witch hunt. He stole documents. National security has National to be a very serious issue. Secrets. And then his lawyers were even like, dude, just give it back. And he did it. Like, this is they not tried to tell them the lie. Yeah. And that's why the lawyers keep quitting because they're like breaking the law if they're yeah. following their clients' wishes, which is a huge conflict of interest yeah, which is yeah who would who would want to work for someone that could make them liable for crimes? right uh, absolutely no one and they don't want to lose their they don't want to be stripped of their right to practice so here but we are basically what's been happening now with that though is uh vivek ramaswamy's little 
uh, I'm going to pardon President Trump is getting that question asked to all the other candidates. So he's now trying to define the narrative as we want to we should pardon the president if if he ends up being indicted, basically trying to stand in solidarity with him. So Tim Scott was asked. He did not commit. Uh, I think Ron DeSantis is wishy-washy on it, too, but he's hinted that he would do it. Um, but it's very interesting. Like the, it's Trump is defining the Republican Party narrative. Whether you like it or not, he's the one that the that defines the story, and it's you know disappointing because we can't really talk about the issues anymore. We can't really right. talk about our what our conservative values actually are. Well, yeah, because Donald Trump like flushes on the toilet, yeah. right? And actually, we have Cindy in the comments here talking about oh, saying, yeah, he took the documents and lied, and then he, they would put me in jail. And that's absolutely correct. And that's what a lot of critics mm. have said as well. You know, we have Dak, Jack Teixeira, who took top secret documents, photographed them, shared them on a Discord server, ended up getting in the hands of Republican meat or uh, mm. Russian media, actually. And um, he is being indicted reality winter took yeah, I one was, document i was about to say that because that movie is now on the, the movie is on max i actually just saw it very good i'd highly recommend it was it was very simple but beautifully done but again it's like she took documents and she was a whistleblower revealing to us that russians were hacking into our elections which is important yeah. information for us to have right and you know since so she's she was in jail for years yeah right so same yeah. thing so yeah Absolutely. So, good for the goose is good for the gander. Exactly. And so, but what's, yeah, so there's just an alternative universe of facts that Trump and his supporters are are subscribing to. It's quite dangerous, has been quite dangerous, but it is helping him in the primary polls, but apparently making him quite toxic for the possibility of winning a general election. Of course. Because there's enough, of course, Democrats and then people who are independents. And even he's Republicans losing independence like crazy with every one of these new indictments. Thank <laughs> you. 
So we got presidential race heating up on the Republican side. And what else? It's Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Yes, of course. Happy and happy Father's Day to my father, Ian Hartman. He does sometimes listen to the show. So if you're listening, Dad, happy Father's Day. I did try to call you yesterday and I spoke to you yesterday uh, or the day before as well. Um, but yeah, happy Father's Day to all of our paternal listeners. <laughs> there we are. Happy <laughs> Father's Day. So that's going on. We're getting into summer. I did. Have you been following what's been going on uh, with Ukraine and Russia? Have you been following any of the news? A little bit. I know that there was a big dam breach that happened, and there are questions as to whether or not that was either a Russian incursion or potentially Ukraine doing it for what other strategic. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard that conspiracy theory too. There's a few things that that I I saw today that are or today and yesterday that um interest me or concern me. The first is, and will not really concern me for the first one is Ukraine is beginning their uh, counteroffensive starting to take back some of its territories. Um, so that that process is beginning. Um, so good on Ukraine. Um, I am, uh, you know, even though, again, I have often said that I am a pacifist, I really want peace um, first and foremost. But again, this is their territory. Um, they have every right to defend it and every right to take it back. My big concern, though, is that Russia has stationed tactical nukes in Belarus. So it does seem like this may escalate into some sort of nuclear conflict, which is my big worry. Um, everybody's big it's worry. everyone's big worry, of course. But um, it, it's it's definitely a watch and wait and see. But I'm very interested if, you know, what one does he use tactical nukes? Does he use this counteroffensive as a reason to use tactical nukes on Ukraine? And then what's going to be the response? What's going to be the U.S. response? What's going to be Ukraine's response? Yeah. That's, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Well, I, I also know that there are NATO partners that are going to be supplying the uh, Ukrainian army with F-16s that are being basically supplied by the United States and then through other partners. And so that should actually help Ukraine fight back any mm. offensive by the russians um and yeah i don't know i you know i think that there's a big significant threat to nuclear escalation i um hope that doesn't happen i mean i guess we'll just have to wait and see when it comes to uh what putin wants <laughs> so we're getting our orders in here we got our, yeah, our cheese, grilled a, cheese and i'm getting another i think it was a peach sour some grilled, really awesome brews here grilled cheese <laughs> take a bite good so yeah, that's that's what's going on with their. Um, I yeah, I don't know what else we we got. Oh well, we do have on Twitter. If you were on Twitter today, there's a big hubbub with the anti-vaxxers and Joe Rogan and Elon Musk are going against a scientist and they're challenging him to a debate. And there's a bunch of trolls. They actually went outside the scientist's house. Uh, I think his name is Peter Peter Holtz. And um, yeah, so this is heating up. I know that Rebecca Jones and I are planning to dedicate the episode of Misinformational to that this week. So you'll hear more about that. But um, so obviously, I think we talk about this quite a bit um, about refraining from violence and political discourse. This would be one of those, you know, yeah. I remember just about a few years ago, a bunch of Republicans were angry about a bunch of protesters in front of the Supreme Court Justice's house. The very same thing. Why are you out there in front of this doctor's house um, and harassing them? 
Um, with that being said, I don't see why why he would be concerned about debating Robert F. Kennedy. Oh no, that sounds so risky. <laughs> you know, what, Robert what is- Robert Kennedy uh, Jr., who is also being supported by Elon Musk, not just Elon Musk, but Roger Stone and General Michael Flynn. Mm-hmm. You know, both criminals and felonies who've been pardoned by Trump, and we already know that Flynn is a Russian asset and a foreign agent. So, so there's that. Um, Cindy did ask us about the DeSantis giving Musk special treatment on sales. I don't, I, I actually thought that that legislation had been written to target Tesla, which I thought was confusing because Tesla had been the big manufacturer to sales provider, but apparently it had, it was more of a handout to the auto Oh, is this the industry? This is the, the, there's a bill that was, uh, he signed that did something with the, uh, they like gave more power to auto dealerships. Well, it it banned direct from manufacturer sales. So I don't know. I I almost maybe it's something against like Carvana or one of those other ones, and it gives an advantage to Musk. Um, I mean, I would say it like adva- pay for play in Florida is pretty much standard. Well, it's definitely not. Play, so I'll know. tell you that's definitely not free market principles for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about being a party of free markets, like. Why are you out there, you know, banning direct to, you know, manufacturer, allowing consumers to to buy it directly, if not to allow more power to these auto dealerships? And this has been an issue for a while. Auto dealerships have long had outstanding political power at the local and state level, particularly the state level, which has most of the regulatory power. And they basically, this happens a lot in government and why conservatives like myself are very big on limiting government is because when you have a big government with the ability to make a lot of regulations, these corporations can come in and say, I want power, I want a monopoly, I want you to protect me and my industries. You know, this is what, you know, the fights between Uber and Lyft with taxi companies very early on, Airbnb, this is why they like buy these politicians, buy these uh, government officials, essentially. Yeah, I I think that this is more or less, yeah, the the corruption, the bot politicians thing. This is money influence in politics. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, I think plenty of Republicans uh, say that they're small government, but they look the other way on this type of stuff. They really do. No, and it's not that. consistent. And I don't think it's good governance. And I don't think it's good politics. It isn't. It isn't the type of thing I support for sure. And I absolutely agree. Like when it comes to, you know, issues within our own party, we tend to like look the other way and just agree. So, sure. you know, if we're not following with our own principles, it's like, eh, it's okay. Unless you're like one of the members of the Tea Party or, or you know, people like that. And then those people are just seen off, seen as the most radical of the bunch. And usually because a lot of them are. And that's the unfortunate fact is that, you know, if you're a Republican criticizing your fellow Republicans, you get attacked. You know, you get attacked as being like a part of the nut job group, if you will, you know, or the Trump. Republicans, because that was really whole Trump, Trump's whole I, uh, MO is uh, recreate attack your opponent. Attack, well, not just attack your opponent, attack the party itself, attack the oh, party sure. establishment. This is what you know our party leaders ran on. You, you know, you talk about Michael Flynn. I think that's a part of his MO as well about trying to take out the local party establishment and put in you know this populist, oh, yeah. you know populist wing. Uh, populist takeover. Well, I mean, and will. they're absolutely at war with DeSantis and the state Republicans. It definitely feels like it for sure. Uh, it, 
I was going to say, speaking of that, so, um, there were also some things that were in the budget that Ron DeSantis vetoed that were kind of interesting. Didn't so there was, for instance, and it was interesting because it was like, who are the friends of Ron DeSantis, <laughs> like veto list. So he um, was apparently mad at Gruters, I think, because Gruters lined up with Trump. OK, oh, yeah, yeah. so he um, axed a bunch of line item water projects in Sarasota. Mm. So that was kind of seen as a political retribution to Joe Gruters, who had been the chair of the Republican Party in the state of Florida. He's still the chair, I think. Oh, okay. no, no, you're right. No, Christian Ziegler is. You're right. Never mind. Right, right, right. He had been. Um, so and then there was also I think it was the St. Petersburg Zoo. But there was a zoo that had a project that also got defunded, that also got their line item veto because they refused to do a fundraiser for Randy Fine, who was on Team DeSantis. <laughs> so there was some political retribution. Other people have said, too, that there were projects in mainly Democratic cities like Miami that had been axed. There were some racial justice and environmental projects, flooding mitigation in particular, that were also vetoed. So these were things, by the way, that had passed through the Florida Republican legislature that Ron DeSantis then vetoed uh, on his own. And Cindy's saying apparently DeSantis defunded the police, which I don't know anything about. I'm not sure about that. I mean, it depends on what she's talking about. Maybe, maybe targeted defunding for different areas. Could have been. Well, no. Um, well, to your point, I mean, if that's the case that he's over there punishing people, it's ironic. And that's the other thing I think we were I wanted to talk about the Chris Christie town hall, which really wasn't that eventful, if I'm going to be honest. Um, but, you know, Chris Christie had this issue with Bridgegate with political retribution. And it does. Excuse me, it does come off as uh, with Ron DeSantis, he's had a lot of issues. Right with uh, i just heard some weird like oh that was the motorcycle i guess i was like what something so there was just a whooshing noise or oh. something but um no um ron DeSantis uh definitely is coming off as someone who engages in political retribution obviously disney's the most prominent example even though i'm 100 percent right. supportive of what was done in terms of removing them them from power from Reedy Creek. I always thought it was ridiculous that they had that power to begin with. They shouldn't have never had that power. Um, but the motivation definitely was the wrong motivation. They should have done it because mm -hmm. um, it was the right thing to do. Cindy's saying he literally voted vetoed police funding in many areas and vetoed air packs for firefighters. Mm -hmm. That Now, I wonder if this was also if that was targeted at democratic areas or what too. I that one I hadn't I hadn't read uh, I don't doubt you, but could be. So, but yeah, so I agree with you. Political retribution, using your power of the pen to veto stuff is, especially stuff that passed through the legislature. I mean, it really just looks party. petty. It yeah, just looks it petty. It does. That's especially what of. was the one with Joe Gruder's? Like, you're over here, like, denying water stuff because he oh, supported yeah. Trump. Well, he was chairman of the Republican Party and you weren't a candidate for president. You're getting angry at him for that? Well, I think yeah. because it came out now. I don't know. Also, I do know that here in Southwest Florida, Lehigh got a a, a large amount of funds that came through. So there's going to be some improvements to the Lehigh Municipal District. Oh, good. But Cape Coral did not. Cape Coral's got their funding axed. And mm. I don't know if that is 
something with the city council or if it's Kate Jim Barlow. Well, I'll be honest. Um, Kate Coral had never really gets for the th any of the things we ever ask for. I'm just going to be honest. I've been I've been reporting for the past few years on it. There's a few major projects we keep asking for. Um, one of them is um, something for Serenia Vista. Uh, there's mm -hmm. infrastructure projects. Mainly, we need funding for the UEP, uh, for the Utilities Expansion Project right. in North Cape Coral, because right now that that cost is being passed on to the residents right. to the tune of tens of thousands yeah, of like dollars per house. Dollar per house. Yeah. And if you're trying, if you're going to do a payoff and essentially get a loan from the government in order to pay this off. You're you're upwards of six figures in debt by the time you're done, and so we need you right. know state and federal funding to assist with that. And the city council, several years too late, let's be clear, are now finally like asking for government you know some money for that. So it wouldn't surprise me if we wouldn't get that either because we don't really get the things we ask for. I don't think the people we hire to lobby for us are that good. Apparently, well, I mean. And then it got vetoed. So, I mean, you can't really, your lobbyists can only do so much. True. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. So he's monkeying around with that. There are, um, I don't know. I have to double check because there's still a lot of things that he has not signed yet. I want to see. But, I want to see what we can find on that line item. We can talk about that more next week. I yeah, because there's a lot of stuff in there. Um, it did seem very Fulton political, very public school petty. veto, Florida career college student assistance veto. Yeah, yep. Cindy, Cindy seems to have the half the list. <laughs> what was really ridiculous to me is it was essentially like a very small portion of the budget that he cut. It's not like he's going in there. Oh, I'm austerity i'm going yeah, to save yeah, some it money wasn't fiscal conservatism. It, wasn't fiscal conservatism it was like i'm going to cut these he saved like 500 million dollars or something it does seem like a lot but how much was the actual budget it was like a seven billion seven it was like an eight billion dollar budget i mean it's still hundred out of eight billion is actually pretty impressive but like i mean i would want it to really see... just look petty because it was like yeah here's the water project here's the project for the zoo because they wouldn't help my friend randy here's here's the thing um when it comes to budget stuff like that. I have now lost my point. <laughs> no. Um, Your point is that there's fiscal conservative no, bullshit and everybody's no, lying about it they is, don't like, actually believe in it. It's just political retribution. Is that your point? No, that wasn't my point. I, <laughs> that was my point. No, fiscal conservatism is important, but you want to be, uh, that's now I remember. So I, I think that we tend to forget this with fiscal conservatism where we think, oh, let's just cut the budget willy-nilly. But we have to really understand what's in the budget. And once you actually take a look at what's valuable and what's not, and, and really cutting based on that is really, you know, where our fiscal conservatism should go as opposed to just let's just cut everything. Well, or, and they do that because they yeah. have to pass a balanced budget, right? Mm -hmm. We have a balanced oh, budget sure. amendment. So coming out of session, there was a balanced budget. So this is just petty payback bullshit mm -hmm. that's all it is or handouts to friends so. weber university health science vetoes teacher salary increase in juvenile justice department teacher salary increase in yeah. the juvenile just a bunch of nonsense justice. Petty, you petty, vetoed petty. that for oh for like teacher salary increase for like kids in the djj justice uh, involved okay. youth i'm just trying to 
So it's the teachers and the teachers and the for pulling that up for us, Cindy. Thank you, Cindy. Yeah, we'll definitely uh, take a look at that for next week as well. And we'll see what else he's coming out. But yeah, let's go ahead and wrap it up. Get back to our fathers yeah, and friends. I want to eat. He's got to eat the rest of his sandwich. <laughs> so thanks so much for joining us here today. I've been your Democratic host, Dr. Cindy Banier. I am your Republican host, uh, Sean Hartman. We're going to, I'm sure she was about to mention, I'm sorry, but I was just going to say, we're going to put a link up on, on all the platforms for the donation page for Ollie's if you're wanting to help. Um, so be sure to do so if you can. So sorry to steal. I'm sure you were going to mention No, go that. ahead. Yep. I, I did. I'm going to post it again. Yep, I posted post it earlier. She posted, she's posting it now on the chat, on the comments right now. And then, of course, on all of our podcast platforms, if you're listening it there, we will have the link in the uh, description in those in those platforms as well for you. That's right. And this has been Democrat and Republican Walk into a Bar brought to you by Big Mouth Media. Check out all that we have on Big Mouth Media at BigMouthMediaFL.com. You can get a subscription to our show for $4.99 a month or $49.99 a year. Help keep independent media alive. You can also check out all the great shows that we have at Big Mouth Media. And you can get a subscription for all of those shows, which give you access to special events and full-length videos and audios for only $19.99 a month. Don't forget to go to the GoFundMe link to help our sponsor, Ali's Pub here in Cape Coral. Help a small business stay alive. And we will see you next time. Bye-bye.